MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. Get started today and you'll get a risk-free bet of up to $500. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at wynnbet.com and download the app today. We're also brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is your home to the free daily video picks from the SGPN crew. It's like YouTube for sports betting. Make sure to subscribe to our profile at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. And finally, we're also brought to you by Riffer. Riffer is your home for mini podcasts from the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Subscribe to our Riffer channel today at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Riffer. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash R-I-F-F-R. And one more quick note for you guys. If you are listening to us right now on the SGPN main feed, we're not going to be here much longer. We actually have our own feed for the MMA Gambling Podcast, so make sure you head on over to that. You can check out the link in the show notes. When you get over there, make sure you subscribe to that so you don't miss an episode. So when we do disappear off of this feed, you still get us in your ears. And while you're there, make sure you also write us a nice little review. Give us five stars. We surely appreciate it. Now let's get to that episode. And we're back in your degenerate Earholes. It's the MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, and I am your host, Jeff Fox. I write and edit for SportsGamblingPodcast.com, and I run MMA-Manifesto.com. And not only are we back for episode 30, but those mediocre boys are back again, too, because we were very mediocre last weekend, and neither of us are very happy about it. I'm not, it's not just the Royal Us. Uh, there actually is someone else here. Um, he's known uh, as the host of the Top Turtle MMA podcast, the host of the Prelim Picker podcast, the associate host of this podcast. Um, he's also known as Gumby, I think because he's flexible with what time we record at. I think that's where the Gumby nickname came from, but maybe he can give us some backstory on that. Uh, this will be Daniel Gumby Vreeland. Hello, Daniel Gumby Vreeland. The return of the mediocre boys, I have to say, is yes, much, is much is much lamented, and we'll get into some of the reasons why. But it is kind of a bummer uh, to have that hot, hot, hot streak fizzle off in such a not even like a fun way. Like it was like a just a no. an absolute disgusting night of not so fun fights. <laughs> it was a split. To, we went down in a blaze of split decision glory. It was not not very fun uh, at all. Um, so that basically ended. I had a four week hot streak, and then I went four and six last weekend. So that ends that. Dan had a five week hot streak. He went five and five. So typically, that's that's the epitome of mediocre. So uh, he beat me because of that damn uh, guy who we're not supposed to be scared of his punching power. Uh, <laughs> beat me and uh, exactly what. Dan said could happen, happened, and uh, Bartosz Fabinski, you are dead to me now. Yeah, didn't, um, so didn't I say he was definitely a better puncher, definitely a better wrestler, definitely better at submissions, but it probably wouldn't matter because he would get caught in exactly. submission anyway, and, and two he minutes got in. himself caught in. <laughs> that was That was the, maybe the most angering part of the night. Uh, also, there's a lot of bad um, split decisions that didn't go our way, so I'm thinking... 
It's um, a split decision that went our way, though, too. One, one we, went our way, we, yeah. we got a little bit of a bonus there, and it was, you know, not for anything. It was my lock, and I don't deserve to win exactly. it this week. <laughs> exactly. So I'm so angry about us being robbed. I'm thinking of starting up, like, um, some kind of, like, grassroots movement to fight it back against this. I'm going to call it Stop the Steal. What do you think? <laughs> I, Good idea? I, 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 Good I think... Name? I think that might have connotations that you're not looking for. <laughs> oh, I already started a hashtag. Hashtag stop the steal. Everyone it seems to be blowing up, man. Like I think everyone, you... <laughs> yeah, everyone who's everyone who's behind us being robbed at UFC on whatever it was called UFC Vegas on ESPN, UFC Fight Night, UFC, yes, Vegas 24. Everyone who's behind and supports us in losing that our bets there. Uh, please use the hashtag stop the steal and we're going to, uh, we're going to fight back against these crooked judges. So yeah, yeah, it wasn't such a hot week. I, I was, uh, I'm down like 430 bucks from it and Dan's down 220 almost. So and you, you, didn't, year, you didn't talk I, about hmm. the biggest tragedy on there either though. Um, that Dan's boyfriend won, but Dan picked against him. That's probably that, the biggest. That's a big tragedy, one, right? but also I think somebody lost their undefeated streak. On oh lock. yes. My lock. <laughs> Went down the tubes uh, by Ar- Andre Arlovsky. Beat me, beat my lock. So uh, let's do locks first. I'm five and one. I'm still up thirty four percent. Dan is three and three now. He's climbed back. He's down eighteen percent. And then on the year, I'm hitting at a fifty four percent rate with my picks, picking every fight and every card. Dan's hitting at fifty two percent. So very mediocre. And we're both down money. So very very mediocre. But um, it was pretty much a mediocre night for for fights all around um as dan alluded to it wasn't a whole lot of excitement uh main event was good but we had a whole lot we had what two two finishes last night out of 10 fights um but i think the main question probably what we'll spend most of the podcast um talking about and the answer that most people want to hear about and hear dan's opinion on is um what's next for jake paul (laughs) i so first of all I'm very, very, very happy to say that while I did somewhat keep up on what was going on on that uh, on Twitter, I did not once try to find an illegal stream or consider paying for that monstrosity of an event. No. Um, I actually don't know. Did did Frank Mir get embarrassed as well? Frank uh, Mir lost via decision. Oh, okay, I, I, good for him. Apparently, I mean, apparently he, he did okay. It, to be fair, he was juiced to the gills again. Like, if you saw a yeah, picture of him at weigh-ins, he looked like he was about to fight Brock Lesnar for a fourth time or whatever. Yeah, um, he's got the he had the extended belly and all that fun stuff. That yeah, he looked, get, he yeah. looked big. But um, with that being said, yeah, I'm happy that I didn't look at any of that. I did keep up with it. Uh, I heard a lot about... Musical performances and uh, Oscar De La Hoya probably messed up on cocaine. Um, it seemed like altogether just an absolute train wreck circus spectacle, which I mean I think is the target demographic of that, right? Like the, yeah, the that's person what you who went was for. yeah the person who was who was turning into that was looking for something stupid and they found it. Um, you know, I, I did see a gif of of Askren being knocked down and getting back up. Um, and like you know, I'm I'm not a super big boxing fan. I don't watch tons of boxing, but like you had to know a guy who's been training in boxing versus a guy who got outboxed by Demian Maya. What right? Demian Maya outboxed Ben Askren when he was, and that's when he was training full time and taking things crazy serious. Now you're telling me he's gonna get a half a million dollars, win or lose, and 
is never going to box again after this, doesn't need to put in any effort to that, isn't going to make any more to win. Like, yeah, am I surprised that he lost to a guy who's younger than him and in better shape than him and trying as hard as he can to make a uh, sort of a – I mean, I don't want to call it a legitimate boxing career, but that guy thinks it is, and, and he's got the name value behind him. So if he's putting in that much effort, he's putting in more effort than Ben Askren. So uh, yeah. I kind of thought that that was what was going to happen. I guess it's sad that it happens because, uh, you know, you don't like to see um, a washed-up star just take a paycheck for the paycheck to get punched in the head once or twice. But, um, yeah, I don't know what's next for a YouTube star. Fighting another YouTube star, fighting somebody other – I mean, he's fought a basketball player and a bad MMA boxer. Let's try uh, – you know, who who plays football and, and is recently retired? You know, like, like somebody like that? <laughs> yep. No, I, it, basically it was just an annoyance that it was clogging up my my feeds with blocking up my legitimate, serious, face-punching news that, that we uh, – this very serious sport that we follow. This circus was clogging it up, and it was annoying that Dan actually seriously talked about it there for, what, Two minutes. That's like far too <laughs> far too long to to give this. But it's not annoying that it's bringing traffic into MMA Manifesto because it actually is Ben As Ben Askren and Frank Muir are bringing in traffic. So that's the one uh, silver lining we'll say of this. But yeah, um, it seems like it definitely had uh, linking into this card. It had a lot more interest than this fight card on ESPN did last night. Uh, even amongst the actual MMA media, seemed to be paying a lot more attention to that. Uh, spectacle than they were to the actual sport that they cover, it seems. Yeah, and it that seems sad, but like, you know, you mentioned a whole bunch of traffic to Manifesto because of that. There's a reason for it. Like, it's a spectacle, and you cap, you know, you can't blame media for covering the thing that people want to read about, you know? No. And, and no, if that's true. what you decided to bog your Twitter feed down with, which I, I didn't, just because, like, you know, it, it was getting hits and people were covering it, but people are going to cover it better than me because I couldn't have cared less. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I was getting the um, secondary hits, just uh, the Ben Askren and Frank Muir MMA hits. Basically, I wasn't, I, I did no coverage whatsoever of the event. Just uh, everyone knows I am a legitimate journalist. <laughs> I'm serious about this. I will not cover these spectacles, but maybe next time I will. <laughs> seem to bring in a lot of interest, but. Uh, and then maybe I can make some money and bring it over to WinBet and make some money there. So we'll, we'll segue into our, our ad read to remind you that WinBet is uh, helping uh, bring the podcast to you today. And they're also bringing you the action of real sports betting with the Win Las Vegas experience. Given on all your favorite teams, players, and sports games. Generous promos, odds, and parlays are happening right now at WinBet. Get started today and you'll receive a special offer of up to $500 risk-free sports bet. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at wynnbet.com. Download the app today. Um, they have lots of lovely lines and whatnot there that I can't look at because I'm in Canada, but they, they have good stuff. Um, all right, let's um, get this monstrosity of an event last night out of our out of the way and uh, look forward to, to next uh, weekend's massive card. So um, main event was very good. That was one of the fights that you can actually say was very good. Uh, it won fight of the night, despite it being a five round to nothing shutout. Uh, you don't see that too often. Um, can't really argue on it winning fight of the night either. Uh, it was 
uh, not an exciting night of fights, to say the least, and that one was, was the best of the bunch. Uh, Robert Whitaker beat Calvin Gastelum, shut him out, as I said. Um, I think the argument could be made that he's he could be the best uh, fighter in the UFC that is doesn't currently have a, a title belt around his waist because he looked fantastic last night and he seems to still be uh, evolving and, and growing his game. And uh, as for Gaston, he he was tough as nails and hung in there, but he really had no chance whatsoever in that fight. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you on that one. And we sort of said that on the onset, right? Like what is, you know, I, I asked the question, what is Calvin Gastelum good at, right? What is his... What is the thing that makes Calvin Gastelum Calvin Gastelum? And and it's just like he's kind of good at wrestling and he's kind of fast and he does kind of good work in the clinch. And all of those things Robert Whitaker does better. And he just reminded us all that that's a thing that Robert Whitaker does better. Um, you know, like he does literally, he does, uh, he does Calvin Gastelum better than Calvin Gastelum does Calvin Gastelum. So right. know, for for that reason. Yeah, I kind of kind of saw this coming. Um, I was impressed in how many punches that Calvin Gastelum took because I actually thought he was going to be rocked and finished a couple of times in there, and he wasn't. So um, props to him on that. But uh, yeah, um, you know, I, I don't know that there's much to say. It, it was a, a five round beatdown exactly the way we predicted a five round beatdown. Great. He doesn't have much to say about it. Fantastic. Uh, how much? How much longer do we have to go here? Forty well, minutes. Or so? but, but, um, like, but like, I mean, no, like, I think agree. about it though. Like, what? What? Yep. What in that fight? Like, stood out to you and being like, man, that's evolved, or man, that's different, or man, that wasn't quite like we thought. Like, everything was what we thought, right? Like, Robert Whitaker is really freaking good, right? Like, he's so damn good. He continues to be so damn good. And anybody entertaining a title shot for anybody other than Robert Whitaker at this point in time is crazy, right? Like, look at the recent run of people that he's beat, and not just beat, but soundly beat, right? Because, you know, we're, we're coming off of him losing to Idesanya. Nobody wants to see him fight again against Idesanya. He comes out and he whips Darren Till. He beats the hell out of Jared Cannonier, and he shuts Kelvin Gastelum out. Like, Anybody sitting there thinking to themselves, like, oh, Marvin Vittori did just wrestle uh, Kevin Holland for 25 minutes, uh, or Derek Brunson wrestled him for 25 minutes the week before. Hmm, either of those would be good. No, they're not. Like, in the same with Paul Acosta being on the shelf, same with Darren Till having a broken collarbone. All four of those guys are contenders and right behind Robert Whitaker. But it's like a big gap. It's Israel Adesanya, little gap, Robert Whitaker, huge gap everybody else um and and like for that reason like I mean it was a really fun match to watch but also there was no suspense like at no point were you like "Ooh, is this is this Calvin's opening I mean unless you counted the four seconds of top control he had after one takedown uh you know like it it just there there was no there was nothing big that came out of that fight other than Robert Whitaker is who we said he was yeah, which actually is is a fairly big thing because you don't oh um, hardly ever do you see a person after they lose the belt actually uh, seem to improve and and um, charge back for um, for another shot at the title. You, you see people get rematches and and you see former champs get titles most uh, title shots mostly because they are they are former champs. But he's actually gone out and earned it and seems to um, seems to be evolving or at least uh, patching up some some potential holes that he had. Um, 
yeah, and the only as for the only the only basically path to victory clear from from the get go for Gotham was was landing a big shot knocking Whitaker out, which only one person has done so far. That's uh, Israel Adesanya. Um, oh, I guess Stephen Thompson did, but that was like what seven years ago. Yeah, and um, had a different weight class too. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's um, he had no chance uh, in there, and um, that, that doesn't uh, diminish what Whitaker did. Whitaker uh, picked him apart, and he's clearly the the next. Um, he should be given the next uh, title shot at least on merit, but that's not how it always goes in this quote unquote sport. Um, but I do you like his chances at all in the rematch? Or I, I usually rematches. I usually just go with whatever happened in the first fight. It's probably going to happen again in the second fight. Yeah, the same person is going to win. I mean, the thing for me is that, like, nothing has changed, right? Like, you right. know, it's kind of like I just said about Whitaker. That, that's part of the reason why this wasn't all that fun of a domination for me. It's because, like, it's not like we were like, ooh, look, Robert Whitaker added insert technique here. You know, like, he, he added a really good double leg or he added calf kicks or he added – um, this cool movie he's doing out of the clinch or a trip or this or that. He didn't add anything. You know, like you said, he, he's shoring up some holes. Yeah, I mean, like he looks a little bit sharper striking. But, like, also you're going to look sharper striking against Calvin Gasolin than you do against Israel Adesanya. You know, that that's just a fact. He's he's less dangerous. He's slower. Uh, and he's got less reach. So, of course, you're going to look sharper striking against him. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't think I do like him in a rematch just because, you know, like I said, the, it doesn't seem like anything's changed. So if nothing's changed, yeah, you, you go with the guy who won the first one. And, and, you know, I think the line will probably be closer, you know, for the, the gens out there trying to jump on the line early because uh, Israel Adesanya was seemingly exposed by his takedown defense. But, like, do you see Robert Whitaker being the type of guy to expose that further? I mean, like, he's not... He's not Jan Blankovic sized. He he's coming up from 170 in his career, um, and, and so yeah, I just think you know more of the same. Watches I just on your style on him until he decides to knock him out. Yeah, uh, that's pretty much it. Like I said, the one takeaway is that um, that Robert Whitaker is still good. Uh, he may not have his game may not have changed, but the fact that he's still good, I think, is is a revelation in, in itself because that's not a given. Uh, especially after getting knocked out. Um, as for Mr. Gasolin, that's his, what, fourth loss in his past five fights. He's got three wins in his past, what, eight. Um, what do we, hopefully he gets slid down a bit and can fight like more of the in and highnesses of the world because um, he's hasn't proven that he's, uh, at the top of the of the food chain in the middleweight division, he's he lost to Wyman, Adesanya, Till, Hermanson, Whitaker during that span, and he's beaten Heinish, Souza, and Bisbing. So um, in a wash, Souza and Bisbing too, like right. a, a very washed version of both of them. So yes, yeah, I'd like to see him get moved down and fight the, um, somebody like Omari Akhmedov or Sean Strickland or you know originally I'd said Edmund Shabazian wouldn't be a bad pick, but Edmund Shabazian just got uh, gifted a. Uh, fight with Jack Hermanson, which is super fun and good for him for getting the big step up. Um, but somebody in that, like, edge of the top 15, because, like, yeah, Gaslam needs to be fighting Ian Heinish or has looked bad otherwise. So, yeah, yeah. Not, not fun. That, <laughs> no. Um, co-main event wasn't fun either, but I'm sure Dan was cheering inside even though he picked against him. Um, 
this guy's definitely not washed uh, yet. Andre Arlovsky uh, won a two rounds to one over Chase Sherman. Um, he's basically they keep feeding him these guys that, that he's basically the gatekeeper of the of the heavyweight division or the top part of the heavyweight division um and they keep feeding him these younger unproven guys or kind of mediocre it's not like chase sherman's a world beater he's like what three and six i think now in the ufc first career but but they keep feeding him him and uh, tom aspinall's and tanner bozers of the world and more often than not he uh sets them down with a very technical safe performance and that's what he did again last night yeah, although I will say in this one, you know, one of the reasons I picked against Arlovsky for the first time in 10 years uh, was he he was forced to fight a fight that was less safe, right? Like, I, I was I was thinking that Chase Sherman was going to get in his face and force him to throw, and to an extent he did, right? Like, Chase Sherman made Andre Arlovsky throw more, but he, he Sherman never landed a big enough blow to, like, deter Arlovsky. Um, or, or to stun him or anything like that. So uh, Arlovsky, I, I think for the first time in probably six or seven fights, mixed a little bit of that power and recklessness with his good defensive boxing that he's sort of developed over the last you know few years um, in working with Mike Brown. So uh, I thought it was a great performance by Arlovsky, one of his best ones recently. Um, and yeah, and... and you, you said he's on the edge of the, the top 15 and kind of gatekeeping it. I, I think, you know, I, and I was trying to look at the, the list of names and whether or not you could come up with 15 names better than Andre Arlovsky right now to rank. And it's not easy to come up with 15 guys you think would beat Arlovsky in that division now, especially now that they've released, you know, Junior Dos Santos and they've released uh, Alistair Overeem. Like, there, there is a, it is a really hard time trying to keep this dude out of like the edge of the top 15. Yeah, he's just keeps winning. That's what three of his last four. Um, and against good guys, Tanner Bozer yeah. is not bad. Felipe Linz is not bad. You know, Chase Sherman just absolutely blasted Ike Villanueva in his last fight. So like, yep. they're, they're three guys who, you know, they weren't feeding them guys who were getting ready to get fired. They were feeding him guys who they thought hey, this guy could be a top 15 guy next. And then he was like, no, not yet. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. So what do you see next for next for him? Whew, man, Who, who's, who's the next young guy they're going to feed to him now? Uh, th- that's a good question. Um, young I, being relative speaking, because he's, what, 42 or something. So yeah. Uh, everyone, everyone's young, but it, still. And it's the heavyweight division, and we'll talk right. about Alexander Romanoff too, but I was touting him as, like, the next young – uh, up and coming heavyweight, and I was like, "Oh, how young is he?" And I, I like looked him up, and he's like thirty one or something like that. And I was yeah, like, exactly. Heavy, heavyweight young man. Oh, okay. Yes. Um, I mean, I guess there are a bunch of names that you could probably throw out there that are sort of edge top fifteen guys. You know, like I mean, like Parker Porter. You know, pulled out of that fight with Chase Sherman. He was one and one in the UFC. You know, he's kind of a name that might pop up sort of close to there. Uh, Sergei Spivak. Um, you know, I, I mean, Greg Hardy just got booked with Ty Tuivasa, but somebody like Greg Hardy, you know, like th- there's a bunch of guys kind of right there on the edge. And I don't think any of those guys I mentioned are young, but I, I don't think anybody in this whole division is young. You could throw him against a uh, perennial chunky guy, Jake Collier. Um, you know, like any of those guys are kind of fun to watch. But, like, yeah, I mean, like, just one of those guys, and maybe somebody else pops up soon. But 
you could also just start throwing him in fun fights with guys who've had a ton of experience. Like, Alexi Olenek and him is a fight that I've been asking for for a while now since they both started fighting uh, while I was still in, in elementary school. Uh, you could you could put him against Alexander Gustafson if he's not actually retired and is going to still fight at heavyweight. That'd be fun. I mean, just, just let Andre Orlovsky have fun. The guy says he's going to fight for three more years, so... Uh, he's already fought a hundred times and he's 42 years old. Let him play whoever he wants, in my opinion. Yeah, no, it's, it's true. And, um, yeah, he was, he was a surprise addition here, especially since he's, uh, as far as I know, still fairly high paid. I'm surprised that they slotted him in here on, on short notice, but, um, yeah, he didn't miss the point. That's for sure. Uh, actually, Bearing with the big leads here, the real co-main event uh, was supposed to be Jeremy Stevens versus Jakar Close. Um, and Close got, what, a concussion and whiplash from Stevens attacking him at weigh-in. Um, so I, I don't see much condemn, condemnation for Stevens. So I haven't heard anything from the UFC condemning this. It's uh, All I hear is Close is, is faking, and he's probably quote-unquote, scared uh, to fight uh, Stevens. And that's, that's what happened there. So I'll say two things. I actually think... Both of those things are wrong. I don't think Stevens really needs to be condemned. He shoved him. How many times have we seen a shove at weigh-ins? 850 million times. He didn't tackle him off the stage like John Jones in D.C. Um, so let, let's start there. I, I think the shove is probably out of line, but if you're not going to punish the 38 million people who have shoved somebody at weigh-ins before, you're not going to you know discipline Jeremy Stevens. So I actually don't think you need that. I also don't think Dracar Closa is faking, uh, and I don't think I don't think 100% the shove is probably what did all of that. I have to imagine the guy probably had some sort of pre-existing issue from training, whether he knew it or not. You know, like he could have done something to, you know, a disc in his neck or something like that leading into uh, the fight and just not known how bad it was. Um, because he said he got shoved and instantly all down his arm was tingly. Uh, and so like, it's either he had a pre-existing injury or that weight cut took a lot out of him. One of those two things, and it could have been both, but if you look at him when he does get shoved, he's instantly wobbly. Like, look at him, t- if you go back and watch the, the clip of him getting pushed, because it was posted everywhere after that, you can see, like, the couple of steps he takes back towards Stevens, he looks bad. Like, he doesn't look good. Um, so I don't think he was faking it. I, I think totally the reason he pulled out was meaningful and it, it made sense. Uh, but also I don't think it's entirely Jeremy Stevens' fault, right? Like I, I think shoving him at wet ends is kind of stupid and, and childish and whatever. But like you know, like it's happened a hundred times. Uh, I don't think he he's needs to be punished or needs to be talked to or you know needs to be cut for this. I, I think those kind of calls are super premature. Uh, but I but I do think. Uh, whatever happened when he shoved him was probably the result of something that already existed. Right. Just uh, lucky he didn't do that to Conor McGregor. He would be looking for other work. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, that's, that's, the, that's the bigger <laughs> thing here too, right? It's like if Ricard Closa was a guy who was getting ready to make, you know, if this was a pay-per-view and it was a co-main event and everybody was like chomping at the bits to see Ricard Closa versus Jeremy Stevens and this ruined buys, yeah, he might have been fired. Um, you know, like we've seen, you know, altercations, you know, around the bell or before the bell. You know, like think about Paul Daly on that pay-per-view where he punched uh, Josh Koscheck. Uh, you know, like, 
he instantly got fired, and part of it was because it looked bad on pay-per-view, and they were worried it was going to hurt buys. It wasn't just that it was illegal, right? So in order for the UFC to cut somebody following something like this, it's got to be both egregious, illegal, and it's got to hurt their bottom line. And I think this one is just one of those three. It's illegal. You shouldn't be pushing people at weigh-ins, but it's not super egregious because people do this kind of crap all the time, and uh, it, it didn't hurt their bottom line, right? Like, this this card did exactly as well as it was going to, opposite of a freak show boxing card on ESPN Plus, uh, slash ESPN is on both of them, I think, uh, but on ESPN Plus, and, you know, like, headlined by a couple of middleweights who probably don't move the needle all that much in the first place. No. And Jeremy Stevens must, he has some kind of, uh, some kind of dirt on Dana White that he, it seems because uh, Dana White's always gone to bat for him uh, over the years for some yeah, reason. Yeah, that's a weird uh, one. And, and he doesn't have a great UFC record, right? Like, no, he's uh, he's he's got a losing record. I think when we were breaking down the fight, I think he was had a losing record when like we were fourteen and sixteen and, or something. Yeah, thirteen yeah. and fifteen. But but to be fair, thirteen yeah. and fifteen or whatever that that number was with like losses to like prime Anthony Pettis, prime Doubt Cowboy Cerrone, Charles Oliveira, Cub Swanson, Max Holloway, Frankie Edgar, like Zadat Magomed Shirabov, Jose Aldo, Calvin Cater. Like he's lost to just absolute beasts the whole time. So maybe that's it that he's willing to fight all of these beasts and like give just an, like he's got a ton of bonuses too, I assume, right? He's got, he's probably wins fight of the night all the time. Cause he just goes out on his shield when he goes out. So, um, yeah, I, I imagine uh, maybe not dirt on Dana White, but he appreciates the, <laughs> the crazy fights at least. Yes, no doubt. And um, best part is uh, close probably didn't get paid anything either for for uh, for the work this past week because that's the way it works in the UFC. Or so. he got like twenty percent of his paycheck. And exactly. Like, we took care yeah. of Drakkar Clovesa. Oh, exactly. we took care of him. All right. <laughs> uh, yeah. After you let him get uh, injured, uh, um, uh, injured uh, before the fight even starts. So. Um, anyhow, moving on, let's actually, before we move on, let's tell you about Better Than Dot Vegas. Uh, Better Than Dot Vegas is like YouTube, but for what hashtag the gens only care about, which of course is sports betting. And us good people over at SGP Sports Gambling Podcast are giving out free daily video picks over on our Better Than Vegas profile page. Better Than Vegas is always running a ton of free contests as well, and they have a bunch of free picks and handicappers for you to check out. Make sure to subscribe to our profile so you don't miss a pick at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. SportsGamblingPodcast.com slash BTV um, and check out the Top Turtle one also. Dan, I see it's it's been you doing it as uh, as your luchador friend uh, sticking you uh, with, with doing my, the videos. My my luchador friend has been slacking and sticking me with the videos a little <laughs> bit, but I will say I, I do have to to give a little uh, a little leeway to to co-hosts who who stick the the lead host with all the problems uh, because it turns out being an associate host it is easier. Um, to just stick that on somebody else. <laughs> uh, there you go. There you go. But Dan is very, very uh, photogenic, so I, I, I prefer watching Dan do these picks, let me tell you. And I'm going to make start making him do ours because uh, I look like I, I lost 50-45 in the game of life, and Dan uh, <laughs> does not, that's for sure. Um, all right, moving on. Uh, another uh, another fight that we lost, middleweights. Jacob Malkoon uh, wrestled Abdul Razak Al Hassan. I don't know, not much to say. He he uh, beat him three nothing via wrestling, which is what Al Hassan's uh, weakness is. Yeah, the crazy thing to me here, and maybe I should have just trusted old me better. But if you go back 
and listen to me break down. I don't even remember if we were even doing this show yet. It might have been on the prelim primer instead. Uh, but when I broke down Jacob Melkin in his debut fighting Phil Hawes, I talked so much about how I loved his wrestling and his uh, jiu-jitsu, and he's an Abu Dhabi qualifier. He didn't wind up going to Abu Dhabi's but uh, because he had an MMA fight come up, and he decided he, it was more important to get back in the cage because that's his ultimate goal. Um, he found out later he would have been bracketed against Gordon Ryan in the first fight, which would have uh, definitely not been worth the flight to Abu Dhabi. Um, but, like, he, he's a really good grappler, like one of the best out of – Australia as a result. So, uh, you know, given all that, I was so high up on him against Phil Hawes, and I was like, he's, he's just going to tire Phil Hawes out with his wrestling and stuff. And then he got tagged 18 seconds in, and for some reason I was like, oh, he can't take a punch. Not, oh, Phil Hawes hits hard, or not, oh, Phil Hawes is good, or not, like, I was just like, oh, he can't take a punch, and, and his boxing's not that good. And then I forgot, like, if he just doesn't take that punch, I did think he was going to win the fight, and I don't think that changes still. And then he fought, like, what, a more tired old version of Phil Hawes, right? Because that's what Al Hassan is at this point. Like, sadly, the dude had a really great-looking prime of his career. He had those, you know, years away. He came off and knocking out Nico Price, uh, and then he was away for two years. And then suddenly he looks slower and worse and bad, and Jacob Melkin is the type of guy who can wrestle and beat that. So... Yeah, um, I don't know why I wrote him off after an 18-second knockout loss. I feel like that was uh, oversight on my part, but he seems like a guy I'm excited to see fight again. Yeah, yeah. well, I, I know why I wrote him off. He came off, he's coming off a knockout loss against a guy who has 10 wins all via knockout. So, yeah. uh, you know, pretty uh, pretty simple there. Um yeah, that, that could be the end of Al Hassan too. That's three straight losses. Um, two yep. of those he missed. And he hasn't weighed in three years either. Nope. Yep. So that, but yeah, uh, Malkoon did exactly what he should have done to win the fight, and he won the fight. Um, Tracy Cortez, speaking of missing weight, she missed weight by what half a pound technically, um, given the one pound leeway that they're given. Um, but she uh, eked out a split. This she went against our stats that say. Um, if you miss weight, you have a good chance of losing, but she eked out a split decision over Justine Kish. This was one of the one split decision, or actually two split decisions went away, but this is one of the ones that went away. I don't see how one judge could give um, Cortez three rounds, and another judge watching the exact same fight could give her one round. Uh, I don't see how that... I understand how split decisions happen, but I don't see how... Like we've seen this happen before too, uh, where one fighter, one judge gives a fighter all three rounds, and the judge gives a fighter only one round. It, uh, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, I agree that this doesn't make sense. I will say, if you look at MMA decisions, which I've used pretty extensively over the last day after all these split decisions. Yes, I'm on it currently. There was a lot of media members who gave this yeah. fight to Kitch. Um, yeah. I, I would say that the more egregious one in this case is the 30-27, right? Like I, I think, yeah. I, I think Kish pretty clearly won round two in my opinion like I, yeah. I think one was Cortez for me pretty pretty standard two was Kish and for me three was pretty clearly Cortez too right like I, I had yeah. it I had it one and three were clearly Cortez two was clearly Kish and I thought 29-28 was pretty obvious but there's enough people who thought Kish won that third round um you know like if you look it's like 50-50 there is only yep. one media member who did think the second round went to Cortez. But ultimately, I think if you're talking about somebody who had an egregious score here, the 30-27 was actually much worse. Yeah. 
Yeah. No, yeah, it, like I said, it doesn't make sense. Um, it doesn't make sense having one. But Cortez was good uh, at, at flyweight. Yeah, she did. Apart from the judges, which, like, the judges are going to overscore our discussion here for pretty much this entire card. But, like, apart from the judges on this one, Cortez looked good coming down. She was, like I said all along, somebody who I think should have been at, at flyweight to start. Like, I, I don't think she needed those fights at bantamweight. Um, obviously the weight cut didn't go super well, which we were a little worried about before. Maybe she bulked up, maybe she wasn't used to cutting weight and that kind of showed through. But uh, I think, you know, given another opportunity to come in here at flyweight next, you know, it was half a pound. Like I think she'll probably make it next time and be back on track. It's just kind of like she didn't have to make that weight for a really long time and didn't, but she looked good there. I I thought that that was a, a good performance on her part. Yep, definitely. Um, yeah, and this was her first time cutting down here, so hopefully uh, it was a one-time um, issue with uh, with getting down to the 126 pounds. Um, next match, another split decision. Um, it, it, actually, this fight went exactly the way we expected it to go. Um, Luis Pena was speaking of, and Alexander Munoz. Munoz took him down numerous times. Uh, Pena got back up numerous times, which is what we expected. Uh, Pena looked decent, uh, striking from distance. Munoz, uh, had power punching. Um, you know, it was, it was actually a pretty decent fight. Um, but hashtag stop the steal, guys. We, uh, we lost this one via split decision. Uh, MMA decisions, media are siding with us and Munoz. Uh, small major, a small minority had, had Pena win the fight. I, I thought. Uh, Munoz, one uh, fight that you have a uh, an interest in, um, and uh, I score them fairly, I think. Uh, but uh, I thought Munoz did enough to win myself. I, I actually think I scored it in real time for Pena. Um, okay. And, and I did want Munoz to win. I did pick Munoz to win. He was a plus money underdog that we had. Um, but yeah, like I, I think what we thought was correct. You're 100 percent right. We broke that that fight down to a T. Munoz is going to take him down. Pena's great at getting up. Munoz is going to take him down again. Pena's going to get up. I just think Munoz didn't have enough actual control on the mat. Like, I thought he was going to be able to control him and land some stuff on the floor. And apart from that first round, he really didn't. Um, you know, like the the second round, it started to fade a little bit. And I thought it faded enough that what Pena did on the feet was probably enough to win him the second. And then in the third, it was clear to Pena. So... You know, it, again, it, it's one of those fights that comes down to one round, how you judge that second round. I think it, while I was watching, I, I said that they were 1-1 going into the third, and then Pena clearly won, and I was like, eh, maybe the second went to Munoz, kind of hopefully. You're right. But I think that, that, that that's a Pena fight. Um, and th- that's what you're going to get every single time on Luis Pena, too. That's the craziest thing, right? His his grappling numbers probably went down in that fight, and he picks up another win, so... Yeah. Um, just a weird thing overall, but, um, ultimately, again, kind of dumb split decision. Didn't teach us anything about either fighter. No. Not particularly excited to see either of them fight again. <laughs> which brings us to our next fight, which is the one we were looking forward to the, the most. weirdest the fight on the card. <laughs> yeah, it, I think I saw, um, Ben Cartilage, uh, which who is a, I believe he's over in the UK, or maybe even Ireland, um, which is the UK, I guess. Um, he, he's a, a judge over there, and he's, of his, I think he said 2,000 fights he's, uh, he's been involved in. Um, he's only seen one go this, uh, route, which was a technical decision. Um, 
our chunky boy Alexander Romanov got need really hard somewhere where you don't want to get need uh, by Juan Espino at the, basically a minute in, a minute five into the third round, and could not continue. He and he was not faking, as people love to say. People are faking all the time. He couldn't straighten his leg or, or get up, and this is a big, tough Russian dude, so he wasn't Mold, faking. Moldovan, Moldovan. Moldova is true. <laughs> oh, how dare I? Uh, I feel like people have gotten in trouble recently just assuming everybody's Russian. Uh, exactly. I don't know if you, you oh. called the Patty Timblet the string of messages. No, I where didn't. he called he called everybody in Georgia fake Russians, um, mm. and you know there's some pretty serious stuff happening for those of you who don't know between Russia and Georgia on a geopolitical stand. Um, so you don't want to call Georgians fake Russians. So I just want to clarify, Moldova, not Russia. <laughs> right, Atlanta is Georgia, though, right? Atlanta is Georgia, and same okay. with Gwinnett and Cobb yes. County. Um, exactly. I, I can say a bunch of places that are in Georgia. <laughs> Atlanta Braves fan talking to our associate co-host. Um, so anyhow. Dan. Uh, yeah, that was uh, what? So they pretty clearly, our, our chunky boys, pretty clearly split the first two rounds. It was a nice grappling, chunky grappling uh, um, fight with some nice striking. And then, basically, like I said, uh, low blow, uh, put down our Moldovan friend um, f- for good. And basically what happens is they – everyone's claiming the, the UFC is making up these rules uh, on the fly, but it's these, the UFC doesn't make up the rules. It's the governing uh, Las Vegas commission, and these rules are in place before the fight. So basically, um, since they went past two rounds, I think it is, or uh, – yeah, um, then, then the fight goes to a, a decision, and the judges have to – pick who won that third round uh, based on the minute of action. Uh, Juan Espino clearly won that minute of action, but um, Romanov was given the decision regardless. So maybe that was some cosmic justice um, because, like I said, I'm pretty sure based on those rules, Espino won um, two rounds to one, but the judges did not think so. And we got a split decision that went on our side, so we're not going to stop this deal. Yeah, well, and I'm going to tell you, too, have you seen the judges' scorecards on this fight? Uh, Oh, yeah, wait a minute. Two judges gave Romanoff rounds one and two. Nobody gave him round three. That's right. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Which is so wild. Yeah, that's that's even crazier. The only judge who gave Espino a round in there in the first two was the, the very famous Chris Lee, who's notoriously bad at judging fights. And, yeah, I, I had it one apiece because in that first round when Espino had full mount and seemed to be landing, you know, damaging shots, yeah, Romanoff controlled the, the the first round for a higher percentage of the time. But I thought, the, you know, the more damage was done by Espino and the better positions were held by Espino. So I, I gave the first round to Espino as well. Romanoff clearly wins the second. And then, it, yeah, that third in, in the, you know, whatever it was, 64 seconds we saw or whatever – I mean, Espino had the only offense and then landed the, the knee to the groin. So uh, being that the ref didn't take a point away for the knee to the groin, I, I thought for sure it was it was 29-28 Espino. Um, or, you know, at the very worst, 29-29 if the judges decided that there was no offense in the third round. But even that I thought was kind of a, a long shot. But, you know, those, those judges' scorecards, remember, they give them in between rounds. So they had already given Romanoff two rounds. It was wild to me that Romanoff didn't continue because, you know, like, I, I don't think he was faking it, but, like, I don't think I've ever seen a groin shot like that that was, like, a, just like a short knee that 
debilitated somebody so much. Um, and, and, you know, I don't know how it hit him or how flush it hit him or where his cup was moving. And to be honest, I don't want to. But, uh, yeah, I, I thought it, it surprised me that he wasn't going to continue. I wondered how much exhaustion also added to his ability to recover, right? Because he was clearly tired. Um, and it was probably a big shot and exhaustion mixed together, just like not letting his body recover. But, yeah, I was shocked at the result, kind of happy because I had him as my lock and exactly. definitely did not deserve to win it. <laughs> no. So, and we also, we probably didn't really learn much either from that fight. It pretty much was what we expected uh, yeah, from these guys. I, I thought Espino looked good. Uh, yep. I was really impressed with that little judo throw he had uh, in there, which was which was pretty special. Um, I think I'm no lower on Romanoff as a prospect. No. Even even having thought he might have lost that, because his thing is always, I'm a very dominant grappler with really good top game, and he went up against maybe a top five jujitsu guy in that division right now, right? Like it, right. as far as like big heavy wrestler sub grappling types, it's like Alexi Olenek is up there, and then these two, and like. I mean, like, you could probably pencil a couple of other guys randomly into that top five, but as far as, like, somebody who's bad for Alexander Romanov's style, Espino was the worst stylistic matchup you could find for him outside of Alexei Olenek, and even then, I think his gas tank's better than Olenek's to an extent where he would probably beat Olenek pretty easily. So, yeah, I don't think we learned too much, but it was uh, it was fun while it lasted, I guess. <laughs> yeah, the one thing we did learn is Dan... Cares about hashtag chunky guys, but he claims he doesn't care about their groin and what goes on inside their their <laughs> I don't, uh, their I, don't top, so. I don't care about that okay. part of the chunky yeah. guys. All right, uh, how about Romanov and Arlovsky? They both fought in the same card. I Romanov's really hate that. I, I, really I know you hate it, but <laughs> that, that's the type of he's the type of guy they've been feeding Arlovsky. God, that is the type of Up guy. Upcoming type guy. and I hate it so much. And the timing uh, didn't work out. The timing would work out. The one thing I would say is um, they don't seem to throw a lot of wrestler types at Arlovsky. No, right? it's true. Like, like, you know, Tanner Boser, Felipe Linz, um, you know, he's just getting beaten. Chase Sherman. Like, it seems like they're willing to let him fight guys who are going to box him. And even Tom Aspinall. Tom Aspinall did wrestle him and did rear naked choke him, but it was out of nowhere. Nobody saw that coming, right? So, like... They they do seem to be matching him up with guys who will just, you know, like Parker Porter types, guys who will slug with him, right, uh, or try to slug with him and then get outpointed. So, like, you're right. It is the – he does have the profile as far as wins and, like, you know, being an up-and-comer and being mostly young for the division. But at the same time, stylistically, it's not really what they've been giving him. So I'll be interested to see uh, whether or not that that's – on the docket for Arlovsky soon. I hope not. I like both guys too much. (laughs) Yes, it sounds like you're hoping uh, that this doesn't happen. So uh, before we continue with Stop the Steal, let's tell you about our last uh, sponsor, Riffer. Sports Gambling Podcast is now on Riffer. Riffer is your home to mini episodes and free picks from the SGPN crew. If you don't have time to listen to an entire episode, Riffer is the perfect quick fix. Make sure to subscribe to the SGPN page by going to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Riffer. At sportsgummypodcast.com slash riffer. So basically, it's what short form clips of podcasts, right, Gumby? 
three minutes or less. Yeah. Okay. And, and you can get a lot of really great picks from the SGPN crew there on yeah. uh, spring college football, which is still a thing. I, I'm having a tough time wrapping my head around Yeah. Uh, that there's two college football seasons and they're somehow different and unique. Um, but they give you really good picks on that and NBA stuff. So make sure to follow the SGPN crew. There you go. Um, stop the steal again. Lupe Gardinez got beat by split decision. Jessica Penne. Uh, uh, Gardena should have won just based on those insane throws that she was doing because I'd never seen anything like that in all the decades I've been watching fights. She, she was just tossing Penne around. It was fun to watch. Yeah, I had a really tough time with this one being scored for Penne. Like, I, I've excused the judges' decisions here a couple of times, right? Like I said, I did have Pena even though I didn't pick him, and, you know, I was fine with this th- that one judge's scorecards calling it for, for Justine Kish. I have a big problem with this going for Penne because, you know, I did give her the first round. She wound up with, with Godinez's back. But that second round, I just I, – and I mean every judge gave it to Penne, right? Every judge gave her the second round, and she literally got slammed like three or four times. She was in bottom control for a large portion of it. She looked like – she did not look good with her hands. She was getting tagged. You know, like every single punch with any significance that landed seemed to be Godinez. And then Godinez obviously won the third. So I think, like, looking back at that, man, I'm, I'm having a tough time figuring out how Penne wins that. And I know, like, you know, like the back take attempts are interesting, right? Like she would, she'd get in that clinch and she'd try to take the back by just, like, throwing her legs around Godinez. But then she just wound up in, like, a, a standing guard. And then Godinez would toss her off, not chase her down. I mean, she tagged her once and dropped her and then, like, didn't chase her to the ground. She'd pick up her legs and dump her and then not chase her to the ground. Like I thought Godinez, you know, controlled a lot of that fight. And I don't know. It was real weird for me to see it go for Penne. I think the other thing for even the couple of media members who did score it for Penne, I think that the commentary on this was just atrocious. Um, you know, I, I don't usually call out Bisping for, for sounding, you know, bias in one way. I do usually call out Dominic Cruz because he is usually pretty terribly uh, slanted one way or the other. But both of them seem to be talking not just that, like, Penny was winning, which, like, if you wanted to talk about Penny being winning, you're right. It was a close fight. Like, you, you could score it one way or the other. I thought it was pretty clear. But they were talking about it like Penny was dominating. You know, like, the, the whole commentary from Dominic Cruz was like, man, Penny looks great out there as she takes a right hand to the face. And you're like, does she? Uh, and I know it's because Cruz used to train at the same gym as her, or maybe still does. Uh, she, like, ran over and hugged him after the fight. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Um, but, like, yeah, the, the commentary was bad. I, I think the judges' scorecards were bad. Um, it, ultimately, it's not a big deal for Godinez. It's only her sixth professional fight. Um, it's probably good for Penne to get back on the winning track because, you know, having not fought in five years or something like that, she lost there. She was probably... Man, four in a row and no wins in the last six years probably due to be cut. Um, so I guess it's good for her there, but yeah, I don't, I don't see that one at all. No, Godinez looked. She she, uh, she came into this look, look in the best, obviously. Yeah. Uh, despite losing, and yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing more of Loopy for sure. Um, that goddamn Bartos Fabinski did the one <laughs> the one thing he, he had to avoid doing for, for me to win this pick, and he got himself guillotined. Like it was pretty simple thing not to not to do. Get your head trapped by Gerald Mearshart, and it was exactly how we or you 
basically uh, envisioned how it would happen, you know, on the feet, uh, tries to take him down and gets caught in a, in a guillotine, that goddamn Bartosz Fabinski. Yeah, I thought Fabinski did everything, like I said, he, he was going to be better on the feet. His style inevitably would lead him to a clinch, where he would also be better. And then for some inexplicable reason, he was going to try to take him down and do so sloppily. Uh, yep. and, and that's it. Like, and, and probably some of it is that Fabinski has gotten away with that in the past, right? Like Fabinski is on a whole bunch of leaderboards for like top control time and stuff. Yeah. And like, it, it's, it's somewhat because he could do it to Hector Urbina and Emil Weber Meek, who like has some of the worst takedown defense and get up out of anybody in the division or Gareth McLennan, who's like that South African guy who just was atrocious in grappling. He did it to Darren Stewart and like, yeah, you can get away with it to all those guys whose submission offense is not great. But he got guillotined by Michelle Prezerich, who is, you know, got the same kind of sub game as Gerald Mearshart. He got armbarred by Andre Muniz once he took him down because he was sloppy. And, hey, he got sloppy again. So I think you're going to – if I mean, you know, at this point, Fabinski has lost – what is that, three out of four he's lost now? All by submission? Yeah, I think so. And, and yep. like, at this point in time, if he is going to get another one, like – that that's the game plays out on him, you know, like just he's sloppy when he takes you down, sub him then. Um, yeah. And, and like, unless he does something pretty drastically different, I think you're going to keep seeing the same kind of results. Yep. It's true. Um, newcomer Dakota Bush was game against Austin Hubbard, but, but lost, but he, he looked, he looked pretty good for making his debut and a non short notice, but damn him for losing. Cause we lost a plus plus one fifty bet there. Yeah. And I, I think, I think full camp Dakota Bush beats Austin Hubbard. I'm just going to go on record saying that because he was very tired at the end of this fight. Very tired. Um, yep. And you got to imagine, you know, you could say octagon jitters or whatever, but you, it's probably – he's a very strong guy for the division. It's probably a very strong guy in the division losing that amount of weight in seven days. And he made weight. Props to him for making weight. But you got to imagine that took a lot out of him. He also came out throwing haymakers, so – for him to be tired towards the end of a fight with Austin Hubbard and wind up losing late makes total sense. But uh, I, I'm not lower on Dakota Bush, and I think uh, given a full camp, he's going to look a lot better. There you go. Plus, you got to like a guy with the nickname Harry. So um, He didn't have that announced, though. I was real bummed uh, that he didn't make uh, Bruce Buffer say Harry Bush that on, been fun. Uh, on the telecast. But, yeah. Sort of a bummer, but uh, yeah, I get why. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, but this podcast, we we uh, pull no punches here, so sorry, sorry, mom. We we will say that. Um, so yeah, Mirashar won the bonus for the fight we just spoke of, and then the other bonus winner for performance of the night was the curtain jerker Tony Gravely starched Anthony Burchek in the second round. I don't know if there's really much to to say about this fight. Do you have any great insight into this fight, or are we just going to let it go? Um, we can mostly let it go. I will say for the <laughs> first time, I don't really care about the performance of the ninth bonuses since they both no. went to the only people who got finishes. That's um, true. I'll, I'll say this. Tony Gravely, uh, typically seen as a guy who wrestles and subs people, uh, throwing a big, yep. mean left hand, is, is kind of fun. Uh, good for him. He's got some yep, boxing there in there, and he knocked out a guy who seem to want to box them. There you go. So that puts to bed that um, event. We're just going to move on and forget about that. Because this coming weekend, we have the massive card. Um, I was calling it UFC 261 uh, Super Spreader event. 
Uh, but the numbers aren't uh, aren't so bad in Jacksonville, so um, hopefully it'll be a safe event in Jacksonville with 15,000 people. Uh, I think the new, actually, I see here the new name for it is UFC 261, Better Dead Than Red. Oof. Yeah. I'm, uh, or, I'm not, I'm not going to touch that. <laughs> AKA UFC 261, die, commie, die. AKA <sighs> UFC 261, USA versus the world. Yeah, it's... Rose Namajunas took a very uh, interesting turn uh, in the lead-up to this fight, and uh, I guess she's Rocky and Zhang Weili is going to be Drago, apparently, this coming weekend. But It's, it's just such a weird move to end. And, and, you know, you can say what you want about her heritage. And, she, you know, she was saying that, I'm pretty sure, to a Lithuanian radio station, right? An English broadcast of a Lithuanian radio station. She did double down on the comments, so she, you, oh, yeah. you, can't, you can't walk it back after that. But, um, you know, like it's, it's so wild to me that, like, you have a fight for the title, right? You're fighting Weili Zhang for your chance to become the first ever two-time women's strawweight champion. Uh, to not only get your belt back, but to get it back against somebody who they're now talking about being the greatest strawweight of all time, when you won it against the previous greatest strawweight of all time, which would pretty much cement you as, get this, the greatest strawweight of all time. MMA uh, math. Yeah, well, I mean, like, not just MMA <laughs> math, but, like, you beat the two other goats no, that I they say it. in the division. Like, you're it, right? Like, Yes. Uh, I mean, like, I'm saying that right now with with Volkanovski. Volkanovski's got two wins over Max Holloway and one over Jose Aldo. It's getting hard to deny him that status at, at this point. Um, and, and yeah, like a couple more wins would really do it. But Rose Namajunas has those couple other wins, right? She also beat Jessica Andrade, who was a champ. She's pretty much beat, with the exception of Carla Esparza, every single women's strawweight champion in history. Um, so like you know, she's up there as one of the greats if she beats Wei Li Zhang. So it's so wild to me that, like, you know, the answer to that question already kind of in bad taste, but it's wild to me that you need anything else to, to help you get up for this fight, right? Like, the, the meaning in this fight is incredible, right? Like, it cements your legacy as one of the greats in your weight class, one of the greats in women's MMA, one of the greats in MMA, period. And, like, you need something to get your you mentally up for the fight so you, like – you know, espouse uh, political beliefs into the head of your, your opponent. Like, that, that's a wild move, man. And, and like, you know, like, it's also not like, you, you know, it's not even like Wei Li Zhang is, like, posing with, like, you know, the the government officials from, from China. You know, it's not even like the stuff you see with Russian fighters in Kadyrov, right, from, from Chechnya. Like, he, she's not even doing that. And even if she was, you know, you'd, you'd have to ask, like, well, I mean, like, how do you say no to the person who's the dictator of your country? Uh, but, like, she's not even doing that. So, like, man, it, it's just such a weird move to get yourself up for a fight that way. Yeah, I don't even know. The scary thing, I don't even know if this is a a tactic uh, to get up to up for the fight. It's very strange. Yeah, for those who don't know, she basically is running down uh, Zhang Weili because she's from China, and that means she's a communist. So, But she did but, also say that she'd like to be friends with Weili Zhang. Yeah, after that. that's like, true. So, it, it, so you, you're right. I, I don't know necessarily that it's a shtick to get up for the fight, but like, yeah. if you want to be friends with her, but you're also saying she's like an angry communist that you want to kill, um, like, then, then what's going on here? How do you want both of those things? Yeah, well, it's, it's basically it's, 
uh, since Rose is from the States, it's like saying she was a Trump Republican up until January. And now she's a, a Democrat. It's it's the exact same thing. Um, yeah, well, I, I would say, it makes too, no sense. I would say, too, this and, and I don't want to throw a political stance on, <laughs> on UFC 261, uh, but. I don't know if you've noticed, and this is probably, you know, we're kind of getting ahead of this, and I'm sort of uh, sort of a little bit worried about what a full crowd in Jacksonville, Florida, uh, looks like with not just Weili Zhang on the card, right, after these types of comments and sort of the, the anti-Asian sentiment coming through uh, based on, you know, whatever it's based on, the coronavirus, all kinds of other Stuff going on, but there are also a lot of uh, Asian fighters on this card, yes, including is, yes. quite a few from directly from China, right? Like, yep. so I mean, like that is certainly a thought that has crossed my mind going into this one. So uh, that that's a sort of like the unfortunate um, storyline going into UFC 261. In addition to you know having a full crowd during a pandemic. Yeah, and there'll be plenty of Florida men there. Um, they won't have ma- they, w- they won't have masks in their way yelling uh, slurs at, at the uh, at the damn commies. I'm sure. So Dana White will love it though. I'm sure, and so will Jorge Masvidal because he's uh, he thinks he he knows about politics too. They're, so. they're probably going to be pretty bummed when Jorge Masvidal gets fifty forty three again. Oh yeah, <laughs> no doubt. Not you, to not to spoil our preview episode. Exactly, but that's know, a fight nobody it. wanted to see a rematch <laughs> of. <laughs> I know, but it it works for uh, they're calling it the biggest fight ever, and you know all the usual stupid sound bites. So we'll we'll break that down next week. Uh, there were there was were was we'll say was there was uh, some. Uh, no, I think were is actually the word I'm looking for here, Dan. Because there's more <laughs> than one. There were some uh, title fights announced this past week since we recorded. Also, uh, Men and Noons will be going back to Vanderweight to probably for keeps, you'd think, uh, to defend against Juliana Pena. It's basically right time, right place for, for Pena. Um, have you, uh, for this fight, I don't think she's the top contender in the division or anything like that. Have you seen the line yet, Dan, or are we going to play our game there? So we can play our game. I will okay. say two things first about your lead-up to this. I don't think it's for good that she's going back to Bantamweight. They will find no. some other uh, – featherweight that can win one fight and get a title shot. Um, sure. maybe, Dan- maybe Danielle Wolf will, will do precisely that for them. Uh, and then yep. they'll give her that fight. Um, and also she, you're, you're a hundred percent right. Is not the best contender. She got tapped out by a kickboxer in her second to last fight. Um, right. and I think put out, was she put out cold? Um, so yeah, yeah she's not the I best contender remember. for this. She's not the best contender for this fight. Um, and as far as the third point, let's play our game. I'm going to line Amanda Nunez at negative. Damn, it's Amanda Nunez. She could be anywhere. Um, let's say negative 650. Yeah, no, she she opened at minus 400, which was a, a joke, if you ask me. Uh, it, it's gone up now, though, to minus 800, minus 700. So yeah. <laughs> a lot, lot of wise people got in on the minus 400 line. because Yeah, they were like, that's got to be a mistake. They'll probably there's no after reason. I put it down. <laughs> Yeah, there's no reason for for it to be that low. So even minus 800 is, uh, I guess that's probably the right range. But and I, I would say that is probably the right range. Like 650 to 800 is probably the right range. And I would say yeah. if you're interested in getting in on that because you're one of those 
super high volume betters. Uh, yeah. Like not like either of us like numbers like negative eight hundred. But if, no. if if you want to dump a bunch of cash to win a few pennies, uh, feel free to do that now because in a right. couple of weeks I'm sure she will be negative twelve hundred. Yep. Yeah, because yeah, we've seen it was what announced a couple of days ago, and it's already gone from it's already doubled basically. It's gone from minus four hundred to minus eight hundred. So uh, this will be taking place USD two sixty five August the seventh, uh, and then Jan Blockowitz, um next fight at light heavyweight uh, for the title has been announced against uh, Glover Teixeira, who will be making his second kick at the can. He he was one of the men who was uh, one of John Jones's victims way back. Do you remember what year that was, or am I putting you on the spot here? Because I can't remember. Let's see. I would say that was probably 2010. It was still when he was undefeated, right? Cher was still undefeated, I think, at that point. I think so. That's right after he knocked out um, Rashad Evans, right? Yeah. Because he knocked Rashad Evans out, like, hard. Um, but I, I want to say it was like, t- I'm going to guess 2010. Okay. Did you look it up or are you making me look it oh, up? Oh, he wasn't even in the UFC in 2010. That's a terrible bet. No. <laughs> it, was 20, it was 2014. Right. He, it was 2014. Uh, still, that was a long time ago. So it's very, you, this is a very rare that you're going to see a guy get uh, cut a shot seven years later, but uh, a second cut a shot, I mean. Um, but it's, he's, this in this case, he's definitely uh, the worthy Worthy uh, contender here. Um, now, uh, do you want to play our game again with the lines here, or do you know the lines in this one? I, I don't know the lines in this one, but I'll, I'll, right. give, I'll give uh, Jan Blankovic negative 250 because he'll be riding a little high after the, the Israel Adesanya win. I think he probably should be a little closer to even money than that, um, but like a deserved favorite buoyed a little bit by the Adesanya win. Yep, you're right in there. He opened at minus 190, and now it's gone to uh, anywhere between – Minus two sixty and minus one eighty nine. So there is quite a range, quite a range there. But yeah, I think the higher end is where um, where it should be. Um, but yeah, so that will be taking place. But that's the event before. That's I believe. in September. Oh really? That's after that's in, that's in September. Yeah. And, and okay. let me just tell you something. We are we are right now in April. Booking a yes. fight for September is a wild move in this era. <laughs> we are in April, uh, everyone, Dan. Um, that's why I have Dan on the podcast here. He, he brings um, I let you know what like month that. it is. What month it is. We are in April. But, yeah, they're really getting their ducks in a row here, I guess maybe because they want to – well, they already have started. They want to start taking the show on the road, and maybe they think they can uh, sell out better if they have some uh, some fights in place. So, hey, fine with me. I get these get these uh, fights lined up. And a lot of these cards will probably have multiple title fights on it because that seems to be the case um, nowadays. So I think that was it for the big uh, title fights, and we don't know who Jake Paul's fighting next, so we can't break that down <laughs> uh, at this point, even though we would love to. So um, so that, I think, do you have anything else to talk about this weekend other than we, we suck again with our picks? I, I think that's pretty much all. I, mean, I think we, we covered all. We, we don't suck cover. again with our picks. Mediocre. We are, we are mediocre again. We didn't, yep. you know, we, we went from being atrocious to mediocre to joking about being mediocre to on a hot streak. So just a quick blip back on the radar, and I will say, you know, we, we were a couple of split decisions away from saying, you know, this is a seven and three card for me and a six and four for you. So, yeah. you know, like we we were pretty close on some of these, and, and I think, you know, 
like I said, full camp Dakota Bush gives us a win. Um, you know, just getting the judges' scorecards right on uh, the Lupe Godinez fight gets us a win. And, you know, like, then I'm talking about 7-3. and three. So, yeah, like, <laughs> but then again, we were gifted one. So, you know, That's true. the Fine. even flows of, of MMA picking. Sure. Uh, stop. Out the steel. Just remember that, everyone. Um, this is quite a quite a po- political episode, that's for sure. Um, and we then talked about next, communism. We, exactly. We started, we started famous hashtags. Like, yeah, yes. this is a big episode for us. Yeah, next, and it's only going to get better uh, next episode. Cause, um, next episode, we'll, we'll probably uh, dive into McCarthyism, don't you think? <laughs> I think that's the only thing we can do. <laughs> exactly. All right, so uh, that next episode will be midweek, or actually probably Thursday by the time it hits your your ear holes. Um, that will be us breaking down triple title fight uh, UFC 261. Uh, until that time, make sure you follow us both on Twitter. I'm Jeff Fox, writer. He's Gumby Vreeland. And make sure you read all our stuff on sportsgamblingpodcast.com and on mma-manifesto.com. I'll be having the pick'em contests for UFC 261 will be posted uh, early on Monday, um, more than likely it'll be early Monday or afternoon Monday. Um, and I guess until that time, um, Dan will Dan will take us home again because Dan has uh, catchphrases, and I like putting him on. See, I tried to put you on the spot last week, and you just went into like robot Dan mode, and you just did your uh, yeah. I got my I got your, my your robot sign off. <laughs> you, you went with your catchphrase from your other show. I was just hoping to put you on, uh, make you thinking that we. We had set something up here, and you had a new catchphrase. But no, you just went into, into uh, I am Daniel Gumby Vreeland. And that's I'm Daniel Gumby Vreeland. Right? He is Arctic Jack Fox, and we will catch you next week. See, he did it again. All right, bye. <laughs>